It's a radical thing in today's culture for a young man to reject what the culture tells him will make him happy in favor of what God is showing him will truly make him happy. These are the honest conversations of the men discerning the priesthood in the Diocese of Nashville, seminarians learning what it means to follow Christ's call. You're going to have to interact with the people and you're going to have to knock on their door and be like, hey, like, I haven't seen you in a while. Are you okay? Everything's going on. Dealing with the challenges. Sometimes I was like, boy, I wish I would have paid more attention in that class. <laughs> I'd be able to answer this question a little bit better. Let me get back to you. Finding the beauty. At least for us in our seminarian time, um, we have to do papers. We have to do all these things, but always uh, create some times where you're going to spend time with the Lord. This is the Nash Vocations Podcast. Adapted for Nashville Catholic Radio. Hey, how you doing? Uh, my name is Justin Farr, and I got some friends. Got some friends with me, and let's go around the table and stuff before we begin our discussion. So again, just like I said, I'm Justin Farr. I'm the host of this uh, this uh, episode about uh, Josh Bertram, Brent there, Father Mark Simpson. Ooh. Father Mark Simpson got a priest here. Oh, you look out! Do got a priest here. So, like, uh, uh, like, so you're at a um, your assignment is uh, why am I forgetting? Um, Father, uh, Father Ryan, Father Ryan, Father yeah, Ryan yeah. High School and stuff. And so, um, well, can you t- t- tell people about like a priest who is a chaplain at a high school and that type of experience and stuff? Because most people think about their priest at a, a parish and stuff like that. And so, but your situation is very unique is that if people think about a school in the parish and a school, but, mm-hmm. but now, but you just have a school and everything. So that dynamic is different there. Let me tell you something. I have learned more in the past two years being at this school than I learned in the eight years of seminary I had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most of which I didn't care to learn. <laughs> I tell you my, my vocabulary I don't know if it's either expanded or dwindled, but are I've you, learned a lot of new lingo out there. Are, are you woke now? Uh, yeah, listen, listen. I, I, I got all the lingo down. The high schoolers are great. And it is something that when I was in seminary, I was always thinking about the parish priest, the parish priest. Uh, and then, you know, all of a sudden I'm chaplain at this high school. And so it's not your typical parish experience. Uh, but in many ways, it's similar to a parish in that you have all of this, uh, all of these kids from all that represent all of these families that are in the parishes around the diocese. Uh, and so my job there is to, you know, try to introduce them to, to our Lord, his word and help form them and, and, and their journey as they walk through the, uh, through the halls over the next four years. But it's crazy because, um, the amount of, uh, changes in the last few years from the first year being a priest there. And then all of a sudden, boom, boom. 2020, uh, you know, COVID, all of these things. Uh, so like, I feel like I'm almost like starting back over, like everything's almost new again, uh, because all these different changes, but being in the high school is awesome. The kids are really funny. I think they've been surprised at, I guess, how jovial or goofy my own personality is. Uh, but that also makes it, uh, makes me, I guess, seem more approachable for them in, in some ways. And so I enjoy, uh, getting to know the kids, uh, they come, they're actually a pretty diverse group. Uh, and then anytime I can hop on the sports field, uh, throw a basketball or a Frisbee or kick a soccer ball or football, you know, I'm there hopping on the wrestling mat. So, yeah. And the way you describe like, uh, how 
you accomplished your ministry there is exactly the way I kind of pictured it when I when I heard of your assignment. I was like, and how exactly you're going to be great at it? I was like, yeah, that's a great assignment for Father Mark, and he's going to be, and he's really going to be just off the chain with it and stuff. <laughs> and so, but speaking on like school and being a, a, working at a Catholic school for you as a priest, uh, Josh, you worked at um, like uh, I think did you teach yeah. at Father Ryan? No, or or, or 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 like you 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 still. Oh no! You taught at Saint Edward's, yes, yeah, Saint Edward, and stuff, and like, uh, and that that's again similar environment, and everything like that. So, what, what, can you talk about that a little bit? Oh yeah, it was it was great, and you know, a lot of my a lot of my kids from Saint Edward are now uh, father's kids over at Father Ryan. So, oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, I've met them. Yeah, and they whenever they come back to visit, I, I would always be like, "Hey, go ask Father Simpson to walk on his hands. I've seen him do it." But uh, <laughs> they, they they every every now and then I'll run into one of them kids. And they, and they say, oh, yeah, Mr. Bertrand was my teacher. And I'm like, man, I can tell, you know. <laughs> Wait, is that a compliment or is that a, oh. No, but it, it was great, man. I mean, like, uh, you know, and, of course, the, the kids I had were a bit younger. I had, like, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. Uh, and then with, with other roles I filled in the school, like, I, I mean, I, I knew just about the whole school from pre-K on up. So, I mean, it's it's a different experience having kids that young. But, I th- you know, I think the, the fun thing about uh, junior high kids was that, like, they're already kind of practicing for high school. They're already kind of like growing up and coming into their own. But at the same time, they're still very much so kids, even if they won't tell you. Like, they'll never admit it, but they, they definitely are. So, I mean, it was a blast. Uh, and so, Britton, have you, like, uh, like worked in a school before or, like, uh, taught in a, like a school before or anything like that? Because I know you was in religious life, um, like, uh, leading into seminary. And so, was that was a school ever a part of a, the assignment and formation in religious life, or, or like? No, when I was in religious life, uh, teaching wasn't an assignment that I had. But before I went into the religious life, I did teach for a little bit. Yeah. So I taught. Uh, oh gosh, seventh and eighth grade, uh, religion, and then I also did a freshman and sophomore religion. One. Um, was a school back up in New York, which is where I grew up. Um, and the other one was in Virginia, and the one in Virginia is called Saint John, yeah, Saint John Paul the Great High School, which is actually run by the Nashville Dominican Sisters. So. What kind of teacher were you? Were you a big pushover? Were you a scary man? I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't call myself either one of those. Um, Did you grade papers really hard? I would say I was fair. Definitely, I was fair. Yeah. Man, what about you, Mister Bertram? Um. My bark was definitely worse than my bite. Like, like when I'm lay, I would like lay down the law when it comes time to like, you know, this is how this assignment's going to go. But then when I'm grading, it's like, well, I mean, I think you kind of were trying to, okay, I really don't want to, let's just, we'll, we'll take off half a point. Moving on. So, like, the, like, I, I never taught in a school. Like I did, before seminary, I did have like plans to like teach history. I went to college, MTSU to uh, study history and I wanted to teach history and, 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 and I and I do have like a knack for teaching and instruction and stuff. And so like I did before seminary I did was able to still live that out. Not to the extent that like um, you were able to do because I did like two years teaching catechism class and I taught seventh graders and stuff. And so like that was an experience, a very good experience. And so and like I appreciate that time, and, and I had to, and I combined both the passion for like teaching and instruction and the faith, and I really desired the kids to know the faith. And and I was a teacher that led into it with a really heavy kind of like uh, I mean I I talked to them and essentially the same way I talked to you 
right now and and I t- and, and I le- and I led in a very kind of intellectual type of like classroom so I, I went all the way especially my last year I went all the way from like proving the existence of God to like why the Catholic Church is a true church and stuff like that wow. so, so but but of course if there was one thing like I wished I probably would have hopefully I, hopefully I would have done it like if I would have kept on doing it but I went to seminary the next year after the first two was not just doing like the intellectual stuff, but doing things about introducing them to a relationship with Jesus, because it's it's more than because the faith is a lot more than just the content, and you can teach them the content, but it may fly over their heads and stuff. But it's a uh, but it's a lot better to teach them about the relationship of God and stuff like that. And so, like, and but on this topic of like school and. There's a certain type of like formation in regards to school that they try to do very like a type of a um, like a plan, a curriculum, no doubt a curriculum when it comes to like school and teaching everything. But of course, in school, when it comes to teaching kids, there's a lot more than academics and there's there's different aspects, different dimensions to um, different dimensions to. Uh, bringing kids up through the school system and bringing them from one grade to the next to hopefully realize the goal at the end, at the end of high school, to be a productive citizen. And then whether they go to college or or, or go into the workforce, they become a the, the, the object of the even in secular schooling formation is to is to form educated and productive citizens. And there's dimensions that's there. But there's a lot of parallels between that type of endeavor and the type of endeavor that we are gathered here today to talk about in regards to this episode of NAS of the NAS Vocations podcast. Like I said before, my name is Justin Farr. I'll be your, be your host. And um, again, just go around the table one more time. Again, my name is Justin Farr. To my left, I got. Uh, this is Josh Bertram. Mm-hmm. Brent there. And Father Mark Simpson. Again, and. We in this topic is going to be topic precisely that the dimensions of formation and since we've all been in the seminary formation uh, process and we have a, a very fine specimen specimen a very fine example of the end process <laughs> of formation here and Father Mark Simpson here and so he's the shining example of what eight years of seminary formation can can Ooh. can can spit out right there yeah. And stuff, and so it's a miracle. Yeah. It's a miracle. <laughs> miracle. Hallelujah. Yeah, and so, but he is the product of like what we and like what seminaries call like the PPP, the program of priestly formation, and that's basically the church's kind of ground groundwork blueprint in order to form men into priests. God calls them all the way, and a big core big piece of how you get from point a catholic man to point z catholic priest is these dimensions of formation now they used to be called pillars the four pillars but now there's been a shift in the bishops talking about when it comes to priestly formation again dimensions of formation because that better encapsulates the the goal and mission and so now well mention 
these dimensions and I say dimensions because there's more than one and stuff. And so uh, I guess we could launch into our discussion right there. What are the dimensions of formation? So you have, you have the four, you have the human, the spiritual, intellectual, and pastoral. Those are the four, four dimensions. Yeah. And so we have the, Oh, you say something. Oh, my bad. And so again, um, my mind just went blank again. Can you repeat that again? Yeah. <laughs> so you have the human. Yeah. Sorry. The human, the pastoral, the spiritual, and the intellectual. Okay. And so, like, let's, like, go into the, the discussion of each one of those things. So, obviously, when people think about a guy going into seminary, they obviously think about the schooling that's there. And so that, that jumps into, like, intellectual formation. So, what, what, what yeah. is the intellectual formation? Yeah, I think the intellectual formation is probably the easiest one to start with when explaining it to people, right? Because everybody's part of their formation growing up in high school in the secular world is going to be is going to be heavily focused on education, right? And we're at seminary, you learn philosophy, theology. There's a lot of education there, but it's not the only dimension. Although sometimes it it, it can it can seem like the the one that's uh, kind of the most focused on at the time. Um, but it's super important, right, to, uh, to have that dimension uh, to grow the intellect. You know, not there, there's such a diversity amongst where guys are at when they enter seminary in their own educational background and abilities. Uh, and so the church actually requires 30 hours of philosophy before theology. Uh, so you don't just show up to seminary and start talking about Jesus and learning about Jesus, which, you know, when I first entered seminary, I thought that's what it was going to kind of more or less be like. And I was like, oh, man, you got to take all these hours of philosophy and like you have to study all these different philosophers. And most of the time, like I was like, I don't even I didn't understand 10 things that that teacher said in this classroom. Like, where am I right now? What is this? Like, this is ridiculous. But uh, as as I began to study and, and read some and and talk with other seminarians, you know, it kind of developed this habit of just kind of an intellectual curiosity, right? Uh, and it allows you to appreciate the intellect that God has given you. And once you appreciate the intellect and come to understand, it's by your intellect that you kind of come to know God more, right? You're able to appreciate that and then feed that dimension, right? So that you can come to know God more and your faith actually grows because of your intellect about God. And so it becomes very important. But yeah, the whole philosophy thing when I first entered was like, oh my Lord, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. Oh. Like, Lord, help me, Jesus, please. <laughs> like, I didn't even know how to spell philosophy when I entered seminary. Like, oh. <laughs> anybody else to speak on that? Well, yeah, I had the same similar experience to what Father Simpson was talking about. Like when I started studying philosophy, and we're going over these like pre-Socratic philosophers, like Thales. I'm like, why are we going over this stuff? Like everything is water. Like this isn't. Like why? Yeah, they, had some, they had question. some great names too, didn't they? I was like a Maximander. Yeah. I was like, isn't that a Pokemon card or something? Like, what is this? <laughs> like Parmenides yeah, and like, stuff <laughs> like that. Oh, Parmesan chicken. <laughs> like, oh, I know that. Yeah. But, go but you know, going along further into the studies, like one of my favorite, probably to this day, my favorite philosophy classes was uh, medieval philosophy because you're going to Augustine, you're going mm-hmm. to Aquinas, and even before that, you're doing like Aristotle, and so it just starts to make more sense. You know, when you're going over, like, St. Augustine and Aquinas, you're just like, okay, like, I understand, like, the path they're going along, and I understand, you know, why we have to know this stuff. So, yeah, it was a challenge. It was difficult, but, you know, I got through it. You know, I, I would say similarly, like, I really did uh, enjoy medieval philosophy, but 
Um, oddly enough, I think modern and contemporary were, were the most interesting to me just because it's like there's so much about how we think today that we just take for granted. And, and like, I mean, it's, you know, it's just this is my original thinking, just like everyone else's original thinking. And then I find out actually about 150 years ago, somebody wrote a book and basically laid out how we all originally think. It's like because generally speaking, cultures, you know, 50, 100 years behind whatever philosophy is doing. Yeah, so that's, like, very, that's very much true. Yeah, it's like like studying this and being like, oh my gosh, it's it's us. This is us right here, whether we mean to or not. This is our brain. Yeah, it's and that is also super eye opening. Like just when you learn more about philosophy and the undertones that they have for society, and it, you start to look in at you know how philosophy was built up. When you start with the pre Socratics, and then you work your way up to Aristotle, and then uh, to the Middle Ages, and 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 onward, you see how cultures change based on how philosophy changes. Uh, and so world history basically is shaped by the philosophical journey and, and who the big influencers are. And, uh, and once you come to see that, you just realize how, how much intertwined our culture and world is with philosophy. And so many people don't even know it. Yeah. Right. And it could be bad philosophy. Yeah. And if it, but if it's shaped by good philosophy, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And, and so we almost kind of need, I feel like, a philosophical uh, rev- revolution, right, to, to help our world out. Uh, but it is funny because every now and then somebody sits down for 20 minutes and they think, oh, I've come up with this 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 idea or whatever, and, and, and this is the way I'm thinking or this, that, the other. And it's like there's 50 other people that have already written ex- extensively about the, your same kind of thought process over here. So it can be really eye-opening. Yeah, and so we t- talked a lot about philosophy and everything, and that's what the seminar, a man going to seminar is going to first encounter, is that philosophy part of it. But of course, there's a dual aspect to intellectual formation, and that's the philosophy. And then there's when a man finally like makes this trek through Sophocles and I mean, um, uh, like uh, uh, Socrates and and. Uh, uh, Descartes and all of them, and they finally make it to theology. What Woo-hoo! can a man? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is what I came here for. Yeah. yeah. So what? What can a man expect? Oh man! Once I got to, to theology, so like, don't get me. I enjoyed. I I did enjoy philosophy. It was it was fun. But once I finally got to to theology, it was like, oh my gosh! Like, I like this. I mean, like, because the guys who end up in seminary are a lot of times the guys who geek out about this kind of stuff anyway. So it's like, you mean I get a grade for just pontificating on something I want to talk yeah. about? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I really appreciate. I got my bachelor's degree in philosophy, but as soon as theology started, I was like, <gasps> "This is what I've been waiting for for four years, baby." Oh, no, yes, about, finally, it's about to go down. It's about to go down. This is what I'm talking about, right? Because you know, you're in seminary for four years, and like every time you come home, like it, it, since the first year of seminary, people are like start trying to ask you all these questions about the faith, and a lot of times I'm like, uh, "Ask me about like." <laughs> Ask me about about a Maximander. (laughs) (laughs) Ask me if you can step in the same pool of water twice, you know? (laughs) So it's like you finally get to this point where you're like, oh, okay, awesome, where the rubber, uh, you know, meets the road here, about to take off. Uh, And then I quickly realized in theology that, oh, boy, that philosophy was so important. Because without the the philosophical understandings, you cannot cannot move along with the theological writers uh, like Benedict. Like, oh, my goodness, like what an amazing intellect he had. And and JP, too, and all these other great writers that that people uh, that read about and just to be able to dissect and to understand uh, what all went into their writings. you got to have that philosophical background. And so I quickly realized I also just – 
the wisdom of the church and making us study philosophy before theology uh, because I there I would not have gotten much out of theology. I wouldn't have been able to understand as much if we didn't have the uh, philosophical background at first. Uh, and and so that the, it was philosophy was super important. But then finally getting to focus that philosophy more so on faith and uh, you know different aspects of our faith and uh, church teachings. It was a, such a breath of fresh air. As far as even starting like sacramental theology going over that and you're just like, oh, the philosophy is coming back. You know, like, when, you're, when you were talking about, um, I, can, I can remember in my, uh, yeah, in my sacraments class at St. Monred, um, just going over like all these different like Latin terms, like as far as like, like the Eucharist and like all these others. Um, but yeah, it definitely comes back to you. Yeah. And, and like, if there's one thing I would say to like, uh, the guys like who, I mean, first of all, I love philosophy. I mean, I look forward to philosophy going, coming into seminary. I'm always one of those nerds and stuff. Um, <laughs> and so, like, but of course, I, I recognize even then, like, how philosophy serves as the foundation for theology. And not, and 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 really, I would say that a lot of guys like, like the better philosopher you are, the better theologian you are. And what undergirds a lot of bad theology we may hear. Mm-hmm. There's some bad philosophy bad in philosophy, there. Bad philosophy, yeah. Somewhere lurking in there. And so, but again, and in doing that, like you pray to God for, you pray to the Holy Spirit to kind of give you wisdom to kind of discern these things, especially when you get into theology. And uh, and and prayer to the Holy Spirit is essentially important to a man's life in seminary, which brings us to the next pillar, again, spiritual formation. And so now we've, 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 we've trained a man to think with the mind of the church. How do we train a man to pray as the church asks him to pray, and whom does he pray for? Yeah, that that spiritual dimension is uh, is super important and helping you understand how some of these things are integrated. I think, um, but oh man, boy, when I first started seminary, I thought I was going to be walking on water by the second semester. You know, my <laughs> my spiritual goals for myself, I didn't really have any intellectual goals for myself. And to be quite honest, I I, I never liked school, <laughs> which is why God sent you there. Yeah, yeah, on your like, assignment. yeah. And I was like, oh man, when I first started, it was like eight years of more schooling. Like, oh gosh, but it had must have been the Lord's will. Um, so I had to rely a lot on the whole some Holy Spirit there to get me through. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, well, man, when I showed up, I was like, man, they they offer so many opportunities to grow in your spiritual life and that relationship with Christ. And a big part of that is kind of coming to know who you are, right? And okay, where do I begin to, to pray? What does spirituality even look like? What is spirituality? Because like, I remember one time I was a few years in and there were some guys in a lunch line. We were getting some, uh, uh, I think that chicken fajitas or something in the, in, the, in the lunch line. And they were talking about like, this guy's like, well, I think I have more of a Franciscan spirituality. <laughs> and this other guy's like, You're like oh, I, yeah, I, think I, was like, I have more of a, a Carmelite spirituality. I was like, what in the Sam Hill? I was like, let me get, let me get my chicken fajitas in peace, brother. Just come on now. I was like, I don't even know what y'all are talking about. And I don't think y'all know what you're talking about either. <laughs> they didn't, they did it. Uh, but so, so we need, you need, uh, good priests and, and, and good teachers at the seminary to help kind of like guide you in what spirituality actually is. 
and to, to study about certain saints or from religious orders that have a certain kind of charism, if you will, right? Because everyone's going to have different gifts and talents, uh, but everyone needs to be a person of prayer, right? That constant communication with with our Lord. And so, you know, every morning we started off with prayer and then mass, right? Morning prayer. So we're pray- trying to learn how to pray the prayers of the church uh, called the Liturgy of the Hours. And so that became a big part of our spiritual dimension, okay? How do I form this relationship and these habits with these prayers, right? Because these is the prayers of the church, the prayers that the priest and the religious are all praying. Okay, like I need to learn these. And and that was really eye-opening just to be able to, to learn those because I had become accustomed with the breviary a little bit before, but then go, entering into seminary, you really get to learn more about it and it becomes a habit and part of your, part of your uh, um, spiritual life. Yeah, I think in that same vein, like, uh, for me, so before going to seminary, um, just, I mean, like outside of seminary, like in, in, until you get to the, the point of retirement, basically, like most people can't feasibly go to daily mass, right? Um, I had vaguely heard of the Liturgy of the Hours uh, before I went to seminary. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's a one volume edition called Christian Prayer. And, you know, when I was before seminary, I bought it just to leave it laying on my coffee table. So it'd be like, a like, oh, he looks so cool. He's got this like this strange Catholic thing, you know, because most of my family and friends weren't Catholic. Um but it was actually like the first time that I ever got to like make consistent daily mass was once I got to seminary and then being able to like take up the prayer of the church and like knowing that like universally like priests and religious and lay faithful all over the world, not only are they doing prayer right now, but like they are picking up this book and saying these Psalms and like, I'm not just praying for myself. Like I'm, I'm not praying as Josh Bertram in the presence of all these men, the church is praying right now and I get to be a part of it. Yeah. yeah powerful. And, yeah. And, and we keep talking about the, What's called the liturgy hours of the breviary, like like can we back it up real quick and talk about like explain what exactly is the liturgy of the hours and stuff and then what part do, does they play in seminary formation? Ask so, the religious man. <laughs> well, I mean the liturgy hours is basically it's prayers that we dedicate um, different times of the day. So we have morning prayer, we have daytime prayer, evening prayer, and basically you're, we're praying the psalms. That's what we're doing, and we're offering. Mm-hmm those prayers of the Psalms during those times of the day. And the cool thing about that is that, like we were just saying, like it's not just us seminarians at that particular time praying those prayers. I mean, yeah, some sense it is, but I mean, the whole church is praying these prayers. And so we thank you for joining us here in the Nash Vocations Podcast for Dimensions of Formation. And again, and I'm Justin Farr. This is Josh Bertram. Brent Thayer. Father Mark Simpson. And God bless you and see you later. This has been an adaptation of the Nash Vocations podcast for Nashville Catholic Radio in conjunction with the Vocations Office of the Diocese of Nashville, shining the light of our Catholic faith in everyday life. This is Nashville Catholic Radio, 100.5 FM and streaming at NashvilleCR.com.